Just a minute. I'm coming. FBI, open up! Just a minute. Hello, everybody. This is Legal Man. Welcome to the show. This is going to be a good episode. I've seen and gotten a lot of people tweeting to me about this so-called patentability of humans because of the mRNA and the inside the non-vaccines, et cetera, et cetera. And I kind of want to talk about that. I'm not going to get into the details of the scientific, because I'm not, not, are you a a registered epidemiologist and you're RNAologist? No, I'm not any of those things. I'm a lawyer with more than 30 years experience. (laughs) That's what I am. I've practiced for 30 years. I'm America's most trusted and beloved lawyer because I tell people the truth about topics like this. (laughs) And I'm a self-certified master practitioner. Gave myself that award almost 20 years ago. Definitely earned it, and uh, I'm proud of it. So the show definitely runs a little over, but that's okay. So let's go ahead and get it going. So there's a claim running around on the Internet, and people are hearing it and repeating it and wondering about it, about this idea that because these non-vaccine vaccines are actually just some kind of software gene editing mRNA affecting item that now people are saying, oh, they can patent the people. And as soon as you get the vaccine, you're patented and all this crap. And I know there's a lot of people who wonder about it. And so I kind of looked into it a little bit, not as a molecular biologist. Are you a gene editing expert? (laughs) I didn't look into it like that. The kinds of analysis I do are different than the kinds of analysis that most people do. And certainly most of the stuff that runs around out in the media, because it's just, I, my brain doesn't do that. It doesn't work like a lot of people's. And I don't do a lot of temporary topical types of discussions, because what I see is a lot of people wasting a lot of time arguing about a lot of shit that doesn't matter and not actually going to the root of the problem. That's what I see. And that's the purpose of most media. And even a lot of people who keep people sort of informed of this stuff, it's mostly just a lot of waste of time, to be honest with you, keeping track of these kinds of daily things. It's one of the reasons I think my podcast is so different than other people's podcasts. I have a unique sort of set of skills, kind of Liam Neeson style as a lawyer with so much experience. And the fact that I'm so seriously blackpilled and I've looked into so much stuff, I've thought about a lot of different topics and issues. And I thought very deeply about them because I want to have a very consistent worldview And that's what I'm always looking for, inconsistencies. And the reality is following the details of most news is not any different than following the details of the Real Housewives of OC or anything else or the latest sports team and your local thing with the trades and the statistics. Whatever you enjoy doing, follow it. But following news and politics is as big a waste of time as following any of those other things. It's just pretend pseudo-intellectual nonsense is really all it is. And these kinds of news stories, the details of them usually don't matter. And I hope that after you kind of hear the show that you can see where I'm coming from because there's a lot of arguing about details that people don't understand what those details really are. And most of the time, the details themselves are so far removed from any reality that matters that it won't help. It's basically a red versus blue kind of argument brought into the law. And I think this concept 
that people are going back to this case from 2013 myriad case and saying, oh, it means they can they can patent your genes and your fucking human beings are now being patented with the vaccine. It's really not the case. And I'm not going to get into the details of the molecular biology and whether it's a gene or this or that and how they actually extract it and what they actually do. I'm thinking about bringing on a buddy of mine who's fucking brilliant, known him forever, and he's like right in this perfect kind of lane to talk about it. But I'm definitely not going to do it in this show, and I may do it in another show. Or I may just do it in Patreon. I haven't decided. After I have the talk with them, I'll decide where I'm going to put it. But I want to give you an idea. So I'm going to go through some different documents. And I'm going to show you the fundamental problem with the kind of superficial analysis that goes on running around in both medical journals and in the media for sure and certainly on social media. So what I want to do is I'm going to pull up this myriad case and I think I'll attach it. I'll go ahead and attach these different things I read through so people can look at them if they want to. And it was a Supreme Court opinion and like I said it came out like seven or eight years ago. And I'm going to read it. I'm not going to read the sort of initial holding that the court found and you can just listen to it. Then I'm going to talk about it a little bit. Then I'm going to start breaking down some other things and well, you'll just see. I'm going to I'll just listen to it, okay? And so here's what the Supreme Court opinion says in the syllabus. It's held. A naturally occurring DNA segment is a product of nature and is not patent eligible merely because it has been isolated. But cDNA is patent eligible because it's not naturally occurring. And then it cites the opinion's pages. And that's true. That's what the opinion holds. It holds that regular old DNA can't be, but this little, little cDNA can be. And this is where all the mischief is that people are wondering about. Now, here's what the summary holding is from the syllabus. The Patent Act permits patents to be issued to whoever invents or discovers any new and useful composition of matter. <laughs> you hear that? You hear what a Barnum statement that is? But laws of nature, natural phenomenon, and abstract ideas are basic tools of scientific and technological work that lie beyond the domain of patent protection. And then they cite the Supreme Court's previous opinion on it. Okay? You hear that? The rule against patents on naturally occurring things has limits. Patent protection strikes a delicate balance between creative incentives that lead to creation, invention, and discovery and impeding the flow of information that might permit, indeed spur, invention, citing the same previous case. This standard is used to determine whether Myriad's patents claim a new and useful composition of matter. So they have this standard. And the standard is the one I just read to you, that you have to have this delicate balance between creating incentives that lead to creation, invention, and discovery, and impeding the flow of information. Okay, well, where did that come from? Where did that come from, this supposed standard that they use to analyze it? Because what the standard you use, if you've listened to my show, you understand it. Whatever the standard is the court decides to use or dreams up to use is going to determine the outcome. It's just reverse engineered. It always is. It's, <laughs> they pick a standard because they like the outcome that the standard produces, and then they write the opinion around it. And this is a great example. So People are out there running around arguing about whether it should be or shouldn't be and ethics and all this other stuff. I take a different view. I say, first of all, that standard is obviously something that anybody can disagree on. 
And there, there's opinions all over the place. But where does it even come from, right? Well, the first thing you have to do is you have to look at the Constitution. What does the actual Constitution say? <laughs> so let's look at the Constitution. The Constitution, with regards to the authority to have patents, is found in Article I, Section 8. And this is all it says. It says that the Congress shall have the authority, and then it has the listing. And one of the things in the list says, to promote the progress of science and useful arts by securing for limited times to authors and inventors the exclusive right to their respective writings and discoveries. That's it. Now, everything else, every other standard and review and analysis and regulation, all of the other stuff is totally invented out of that that Congress shall have the power to promote the progress of science and useful arts by securing for limited times to authors and inventors the exclusive right to their respective writings and discoveries. <laughs> That's the constitutional authority. Do you understand what an open-ended Barnum statement that is? It can mean anything. They could give it to them for limited times. Okay, for 200 years, that's a limited time. A thousand years, that's a limited time. Six weeks, that's a limited time. One day, that's a limited time. What does it mean to secure for limited times to authors and inventors the exclusive right to their respective writings and discoveries? What does that, any of that mean? It means whatever they want it to mean, and then you have to start flushing it out. See, and, and the end result is something like this opinion where the Supreme Court cites all this other stuff that's previous Supreme Court stuff and talks about previous opinions and talks about the, the lower court. Well, it's much more complicated even than that before you can even begin to get to any kind of decision on this matter. Because the very first thing you have to do is you have to get a law. Congress wrote a law. Well, you can go to the law. 35 USC. <laughs> That's where it is. Chapter 10, patentability of inventions. That's what you have to go look at. Well, guess what? It's huge and it's full of incomplete shit and total amounts of Barnum statements. It's got a whole set of definitions where it says process. I just go up, pull it up. You can see an invention means an invention or discovery. Well, what does that mean? What is an invention or discovery? <laughs> what does it mean? Right? There's no definition. It can mean anything. Your idea of an invention, my idea of an invention, well, they flush it out with yet more Barnum statements. The next process means a process, art or method, includes a new use of a known process, machine, manufacturer, composition of matter or material. Again, just another Barnum statement. And so there's a whole series of these sorts of uh, uh, explanations and otherwise that go into it. And then you go to Section 101 of 35 U.S.C. It's, well, this is what kinds of inventions are patentable, and this is what it says. Whoever invents or discovers any new and useful process, machine, manufacturer, composition of matter, or any new and useful improvement thereof, may obtain a patent, therefore, subject to the conditions and requirements of this title. That's how it actually gets implemented. Do you, do you see how many problems you're going to start having and how that's the start? Okay. It's new and useful improvement. How much of a Barnum statement is that? New and useful improvement. <laughs> uh, I just, you know, it's difficult for people to understand how far these things that people run around and talk about, it's constitutional right this and it's the law that, oh, it's the law. Okay, well, what is the law? The law is just a bunch of made up shit like this. Just a Barnum statement, packed with a tons of additional Barnum statements. 
And there's not just a U.S. code that describes it. Then you have an entire code of federal regulations that's devoted to it. Title 37, patents, trademarks, and copyrights. You go through there, there's all sorts of stuff about the patent examiner and what he has to do. Well, a patent examiner, they've got their own handbook. <laughs> a patent handbook guide to what they should do and how they should interpret it. And there's issues, and they have to review this and review that. Every single thing they do is an open Barnum statement based upon other things with massive amounts of disputes. Massive amounts. So you have a patent office. Depends on the patent office you pull. Depends on who looks at your patent. <laughs> They're, we're working on them all the time. Depends on how well you can lobby them. They have lobbies. They go there and lobby for this stuff. Then you have Congress writing additional things and trying to change it. After this opinion came out, about five or six years later, maybe two or three years in the past, like 2019, Congress was floating the idea of overriding these standards and providing something else. Okay, well, I don't understand. Is the Supreme Court the law of the land or not? I thought that the Supreme Court dreams up a standard. How is that not the constitutional standard? <laughs> How can Congress just write a law to go around it? How? Because none of it makes any sense. See, normally the Congress can't just write a law and get around a Supreme Court opinion. But in a case like this, they claim they can. And they didn't so much as get rid of it, but they could at any time. They could just simply write new laws. And then what would happen? Well, the Supreme Court allows it, right, and just continues to go along where it says, oh, well, that's a rule. Okay, well, so are all these standards that you make up in every other kind of Supreme Court case about due process, your First Amendment, interstate commerce. It doesn't say anything there in any of the Constitution about all the standards that are supposed to be used. So why are the standards that the Supreme Court uses and things like that, why are they adjustable by just legislation when it comes to patents and trademarks? Why? <laughs> why, why don't they have to get a constitutional amendment? Because none of this makes any sense. See, all of it's utter horseshit. And what the people argue about is the stuff that's 50 times removed from what I'm telling you. Think about this in Article 1, Section 8, where I read you that part about progress of science and useful arts and securing for a limited time and all that crap. Okay, well, what do you think uh, it says about naturalization rules, right? We hear all this stuff. They're arguing about what they can do and can't do in the 14th Amendment. Okay, here's all it says in Article 1, Section 8 about that. To establish a uniform rule of naturalization. <laughs> That's it. The rest is just made up. See, the rest is just made up. <laughs> uh, here's the one that says uh, with regards to so-called commerce clause. That, that's just cause for almost unlimited amounts of power to regulate commerce <laughs> among the several states. That's it. And from there, the Supreme Court dreams up stuff. And when the Supreme Court dreams something up on that issue, guess what? We're told it's the so-called law of the land, Constitution, blah, 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 that we have to get an amendment, blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, but that doesn't apply when it comes to this patent stuff. The Congress can apparently just write new laws and rules around it. Well, how? Because none of it makes sense. See, None of it actually makes any sense. And so this is why I don't get into the details of explaining what it is exactly in the opinion that says it. Well, because they struck this balancing act. Well, anybody can strike any balancing act. The balancing act itself is just something they've dreamed up. See, every single step of this is dreamed up. And this is a great example of 
how attenuated these arguments and analysis become. People get buried down the weeds of whether or not this is an mRNA or if it's cRNA or if it's regular RNA or if it's, does it meet the standard that the patent office set about this and they compare this case's analysis to that case's analysis. Are you seeing how far we are from the so-called constitutional language and power the Congress has given, that it literally can mean anything they want it to mean. And we're not even talking about trying to enforce it. This would be an enforcement battle if somebody was trying to infringe on it. You'd have to go in there and make a case that this is the scope of the coverage of your patent or your trademark or your copyright or whatever it is. You have to argue about that course and scope. What is the scope of this? How much does it extend out? Is this an infringement or not an infringement? There's a whole different set of definitions and cases that discuss what it means to so-called infringe it. You see what I'm saying? Do you see how impossible this is to hold any kind of intelligent, reasonable, rational argument about what's in a case like this? that could ever mean anything, that would ever matter in any way, because it's all 100% dreamed up. And that's what I try to get across to people, is that these things that they hear on talk radio and read in articles, and it doesn't matter if it's about this kind of patent and whether it's an RNA, whether it could be patent, and, or whether it's the due process clause or the interstate commerce clause or your second amendment or your first amendment, it's all made up. Hi, it's Legal Man. I hope you're enjoying the show. If you appreciate the unique insight and information I provide, then go over to my Patreon account for The Quash and become a member. I have bonus shows and material, early access, and it's a good place to meet like-minded people. I have people ask me all the time, what can we do, Legal Man? <laughs> well, start by voting with your pocketbook. It's the only vote that really counts. Support things that tell people the truth. Getting people to understand the truth is the only solution we have to this insanity. Look, I get it. There are a lot of people who can't afford to support my show with money. But there are a lot of people who can. And if you can and you like the show, you should support it. That's what free markets look like. The people running this scam, they have unlimited funding. I don't have support of that system. In fact, I get harassed because I tell people the truth that they don't want the people to know. So we have to stick together. So go sign up. Now let's get back to the show. Or whether it's the due process clause or the interstate commerce clause or your second amendment or your first amendment, it's all made up from a very minor initial Barnum state. And they just go from there. And it's couched in terms of authority and black robes and officialdom and legislation this. It's all just a control system. That's all it is. It's just a control system. And whether or not they're going to say that you're patented or could be patented, it doesn't matter. Analyzing it makes no difference because they can say anything they want and they can justify it because they're the only people making up any of the rules. They just make up a little rule and then they change the rule if they need to and then they refer back to the rule they made up and then they move forward. Or they simply change the rule and ignore the rule and they write an exception around it. I've told people again and again. 
they have unreported cases. So the unreported cases don't even apply to anybody else. And this just leaves out the fact that you have to be not just a lawyer, you have to be a licensed patent attorney, a totally separate bar you have to take in order to practice in this area. In order to practice this intellectual property law, you have to have a completely separate uh, bar. And they have a whole separate set of courts. And yet, the courts, which require a lot of expertise, and there's all sorts of technical information and jargon and bullshit being filed, people arguing about this, nobody ever agrees on the stuff at trial. So then you just let it to the court. And then what happens? And it goes up to a set of Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court finally rules, well, guess what? Guess what? At the Supreme Court level, you don't have the people who are qualified to sit on a patent uh, court. You don't. They're not engineers. They don't have people with engineering science backgrounds. And in fact, in this case that everybody's referring to, this, this myriad case that they're talking about, there was a very brief concurrence by Scalia, who, of course, obviously later got Scalia'd for, we don't know what reason, but his death was so absurdly suspicious. And here's what he says, and I think it's very helpful. I'm going to read it because it's only one paragraph. There's the entire concurrence, but it makes a very important point, in my opinion. So here it is. I join the judgment of the court and all of its opinions except part 1A and some portions of the rest of the opinion going into fine details of molecular biology. I am unable to affirm those details on my own knowledge or even my own belief. <laughs> Did you hear that? It suffices for me to affirm, having studied the opinions below and the experts' brief presented here, that the portion of DNA isolated from its natural state sought to be patented is identical to that portion of the DNA in its natural state and that complementary DNA, which means cDNA, is a synthetic creation not normally present in nature. Do you hear that? So the person who's actually even standing in so-called judgment of this admits that he really has no fucking clue whatsoever about what's being said or what's going on. He just has to take the uh, word of these other people. <laughs> That's how far removed we are. And of course, there's infinite numbers of examples of this same kind of crap I could give to people all over the place and in a million different ways in the law. But the point of this show is to not to tell you whether it is, in fact, patented and they're going to inject it and control it. They're never going to do that. If they want to so-called own you and patent you and all that, then they're going to dream up a reason and they're going to have a way that says that it's so-called constitutional because anything that they say is constitutional. That's the definition. They decide what's constitutional. So when the same party decides what is constitutional in a matter, to say that there's a question about whether they can do it or not is nonsense. They can just say they can do it because it's constitutional and then dream up a set of Barnum statements that supports it. Now, honestly, I don't even know if this show makes sense to people, but my goal was to show people that the level of analysis that goes on simply ignores all the stuff that actually matters. And it argues about a bunch of unimportant details on the surface that can never fix the system that we're subjected to. And that if you don't understand the way the system is constructed and used, that arguing about these details is a never-ending process, no different than watching the Housewives of OC or following the sports team. It's never-ending until you get down the base and this, see the constitutional conservatives, they never discuss that. They only discuss why the opinion itself might have been so-called wrong, that it failed to so-called take into account some other so-called sentence they pulled out with a so-called standard they dreamed up. 
That's all shit. I'm showing you that the fundamental way the system is constructed and used and operates is a prison you can't get out of, and that's why it has to be dissolved. Because you never have a prison system like this set up over hundreds of millions of people and expect anything except that it's a tyranny. And we didn't even get into the kinds of corruption you can get into and the, the payoffs that could be going on and all the costs and expense of, of so-called infringement lawsuits. Getting a patent is only as good as whatever you can afford to enforce and whatever kind of enforcement you can get from a court. That's it. However financial standing you have to support it. That's it. And I'm not even talking about international patents. There's all sorts of additional information intellectual property that gets covered all sorts of stupid ways and a million different ways through treaties and this and that who's infringing it's an impossibly complex topic to sit down and break into a little tiny piece like the people try to do and and, and sort of reduce it down to a meme or an interview where someone tells you it's happening i'm trying to give people a construct in which to evaluate not just this claim but any claim you ever see that pops up about this kind of area to understand how many layers of attenuated nonsense the whole thing is. And that whatever result they want, that's the result they're going to get. Whatever the people in charge of this government, this tyranny we live under, want, they're going to create and, and they will be able to support it and the people will be under the illusion that it's so-called constitutional. And that's it. And that's why the constitutional conservatives caused so much damage, in my opinion, to the freedom movement. Because they failed to explain to people the utter and complete absurdity of the so-called systems construction and the way it actually operates. And they get mired in details that don't matter. And whether or not they are there because their controlled opposition know exactly what they're doing or because they're just useful idiots who've never even figured it out themselves, I don't know. I don't care. They do the same amount of damage either way, and they make millions and millions and millions of dollars. A show like mine doesn't get that kind of support. See, I take a lot of abuse because what I say is not popular, because most people want something that's popular. And if a show like mine was out in the public in a large way and people could get exposed to the kinds of concept I give to people, the world would be very different. It would be very different because the things I try to tell people, they apply over large areas, swaths, huge swaths of information as opposed to having to become familiar with the details of some individual event and the facts of some so-called scenario. The stuff I tell people exposes the fraud of the entire construct they're operating under. And I hope that helps people. I really do. But if it doesn't, if they think I'm a kook or they think I'm full of shit, then that's what they think. I don't care. I already know the truth. I used to believe all the stupid shit, and I figured it out. That's just the reality. So, all right. Well, this show's going to run over. And like I said, I, I think I'm going to bring my friend in. And like I said, I'm not sure how I'll do the show, but I'm going to do some additional follow-on show. And at this point, I'm going to wrap it up. But if you like someone who tells you the truth sort of outside the box like me, then you can follow me on Twitter. I'm Legal Man at US Law Review. And I, you can listen to my show. You can share my show. You can support my show. You can sign up for my Patreon account. I mean, you can. Support my show. Uh, how many different things have you learned from me? How many fundamental things have you heard from me that you've never heard anywhere else in your entire life? All the incredible amounts of information I give people. So... I want to thank the people who are in there because they have a lot of integrity. I really appreciate it. And, of course, 
I have been cast as Mr. Jones in the upcoming movie. Uh, it's an indie film written by Larkin Rose called The Jones Plantation. I'm going to play Mr. Jones. It's going to be a great, great time. I think it's going to be a great piece of art and entertainment and instruction for the liberty movement. And I hope people support it. We film in September, and then it's going to come out early next year. And I hope people support it. I really do. And I think that's probably about it. I'm going to have him wrap the show up. You guys have been a great audience. Everybody have a nice night or day, wherever you are. Take care. Thank you, everybody. Let's put your hands together one more time for Legal Man. Great show. Thanks so much. I get to check your service on the way out. More quash. More quash.